this is a very important message to start off the new year this morning. We're going to be in a lot of different passages of Scripture. Uh, I have some written down in the outline, so if you have those, and I'm going to be going through others, you might want to write those down. But let me ask you a question. What is the three greatest days of your life? What would be the three most important days in your life? Think about that for a moment. What would they be? Maybe you say, I don't really remember it, but I guess it would be the day that I was born, right? Because without that day, there wouldn't be any others, right? So you say, it must be that day. Or maybe you say it was the day that I met my spouse. Uh, or maybe the day we said our wedding, wedding vows. Or maybe it was that day where that child was born or the day that I graduated from college. Or the day I got hired by the company and got that great job. What is that day, the day that, and you fill in the blank, the greatest day of your life? What, we, what would be the three most important days of your life? Today's message hopefully will shape a little bit of the new year for us, the three most important days of our lives to kind of give us an insight of that. If we can understand this and maximize that for God's glory, our lives will be much more fulfilling and rewarding. So let's get started. Hopefully you have your outlines. The three most important days in your life. The first one is, is this day, and hopefully you knew this one. It's the day of your salvation, the day of salvation for every one of us. It's the day you put your faith and in, in trust in Jesus Christ. This day is specific to every one of us. We all have our own story, right, how we came to know Jesus. My story began when I was a young man way back many, many years ago. I didn't attend church. I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know much about him. I've heard about him, but I didn't know a lot about him. And I had a friend that constantly asked me to come to church, and I always gave him excuses why I couldn't come. Oh, Sundays, I'm too busy. I always was too busy. And finally, he called me one day, and he says, Doug, he says, we have a speaker who's going to be here every night of the week. I know you're busy, but surely one night of the week you can make it. I wanted to be his friend, and I liked him, so I said, okay, so I'll come out. And I believe it was on a Friday night where I went out, and the man that night was talking about Jesus, and it seemed like all the dots were connecting for me on that night. As the man began talking, he, the man shared that we're all sinners, and, and I knew that I was sinners, so we were in agreement upon that. But then he said something that I didn't, I didn't know. He said, because of my sin, I've been separated from God. And I didn't know that because of my sin, I was separated from God. I never heard that before. And I came to understand that night that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. For Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is uh, eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And it came real to me that night that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And my story began to take shape that night when, when that man was talking. As the speaker began to share about a God who loved me so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins and pay for all of my sins past, present, and future sins, that all my sins were paid for upon the cross, and he did that. And I, my story began to become real in my life, and, and that my story became recognized when I understood what Jesus had done for me upon the cross, and that God was offering me a free gift through Jesus, but I had to receive that by faith, and that gift was my sins would be forgiven, that I have a relationship with God the Father, and I had a hope in eternity to be in heaven with Jesus forever and ever. You remember in John chapter 3 when Jesus was talking to a man, a man by the name of Nicodemus. And he said, Nicodemus, don't you know you must be born again? And that, kind of, whew, that just kind of went over Nicodemus' head. He goes, what? What are you talking about? How can a man enter the second time in a mother's womb? You moms can understand it, right? How can a man enter the second time in a mother's womb? In other words, it can't happen. It's impossible. It can't happen. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you have to be born of the water and the spirit in order to see the kingdom of God. 
And see, Nicodemus needed salvation, and so do I, and so do you. We all need that, right? We need to have that day of, of salvation where I accepted Jesus as my Savior that night. It was the greatest day of my life that day, way back then, many, many years ago. In that one moment of faith, everything changed for me. The Bible says the old was gone, the new has come, and my eternity, eternal destination had changed. From being an attorney separated from God, now I had an attorney to be with God forever. My sins were washed away, and now I had a purpose for life, all because of that day where I accepted Christ as my Savior. And over the years, I've looked back at that day, and I, I thought, man, my, my life has been shaped by that day in my eternity, and my life has been shaped by that. It shaped my decision-making now, how I make my decisions, amen? It shaped my identity. Now, who I am, I'm not just Doug, I am in Christ. That's my identity, who I am in Christ. It was a big day for me. There are some people who say that, well, I've always known Jesus. You ever hear people say that? And maybe you think that. I've always known Jesus, but that's not true. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, with the heart a person believes, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So there has to be some moment in time where we come to understand who Jesus is and what he did for us, and we confess it with our mouth that we accept him as our Savior, that we receive Jesus by faith. There must be some moment of time that we weren't always just known Jesus and always saved. We have not been. There has to be a moment in time where we did that, the day of our salvation. Oh, there may be a ramp of time before you came to Jesus where it may include where you're into sin, or maybe you're in some other world religion like Hinduism, Buddhism, or, or one of those, or maybe secularism, or maybe narcissism, or whatever it may be. But then the Holy Spirit began to work in your life with the Word of God and drawing you to this day, the day of your salvation. You didn't do anything to make this happen, did you? Did you do anything to make this happen? Nothing. Just like you didn't do anything the first time you were born, right? You didn't do anything for that, did you? When the doctor said push, he wasn't talking to you. He's talking to your mom, right? Your mom pushed, and out you came, and you were born. You did nothing for that, right? Same as this one. You don't do anything for this one. As the Holy Spirit brings you to that point of salvation, and during this ramp-up time, he brings us to that point. And maybe the struggle and fight as we resist what he's doing there, and the love of God is tugging in our hearts. And what we think is God is tugging us, we think we've got to run from the judgment of God, so we're taking off trying to run, and all we're doing is averting the rescue of God in our lives is God is trying to rescue us, and he pursues us, and we're running from him. And God says, all I want to do is rescue you from yourself, from your sins, and to save you is what he wants for each and every one of us. And then that day comes, the day where the Holy Spirit of God begins to work in our life, and he basically just turns the light on, and the dots become connected, and the faith happens. We finally come to understand that we're a sinner in need of a Savior. Amen? We finally come to understand who Jesus is, that he's the son of God, that he's God. We understand what he did, that he died on the cross for our sins. In that moment of time, that day of my salvation, I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I trusted him as my savior. The Bible said, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And through faith, I came to know Jesus Christ. I put my faith and trust in him. We all have that story of how we came to know Jesus, right? Every one of us have that of how we came to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, this is the greatest, the most important day of your life right here. It changed your eternity. That day did. It changed everything about it. And if you know him, it's the most important day. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the most important day you can come up with is a wedding day, the birth of a child, bought a house, Maybe it's that new job or whatever it may be. All those days are really important. They're really significant days. You don't want to forget those days. But this day, 
The day of your salvation is a day that God wants you to have according to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where it says this. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I hope you have this day in your life, the day of your salvation. If you don't, let me just share with you one more time to make sure you understand. If you don't, come and see me, even after I share this with you, that God loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. He really wants to have a relationship with you. But because you and I are sinners, and God is holy, just, perfect, and righteous, we can't approach a holy, just, perfect, righteous God, can we? We can't come to him. So we have this separation between us and God. And, and if nothing is done, you and I are helpless and hopeless in our condition. And we will spend an eternity separated from God. But because God's love and his mercy and his grace, he sent his son, Jesus, from heaven. And he came down to this earth, and he took on the form of a human being. Came as a baby, as we know. That's what we just celebrated Christmas was all about. And then he grew up to be a man. And then he went to the cross. And on that cross, God placed all of my sins, all of your sins, the sins of the whole world upon Jesus. And Jesus on that cross paid the complete payment for all sins. Your sins, past, present, and future, have been paid for upon that cross. So now you and I have the opportunity to approach a holy God, but we've got to come God's way through Jesus. And we've got to accept what Jesus Christ did for us upon the cross. By simply coming and say, God, I know I'm a sinner, and although Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I trust him as my Savior. Please do that today. Have this day, the day of your salvation in your life. The most important and greatest day of your life is right here. This day makes an eternal difference right here. So hopefully you have that. If you don't and you still have questions, please come and see me this day. The second most important day, in my opinion, is the day that you stand before the throne of Jesus. Is this day, the second most important day. You don't come to this throne to sit in it. You come to stand in front of it. This is a day that after we pass from this life and we go into the next, that we come to this throne. And the one who's on this throne is the only one worthy to sit in that throne. It's called the judgment seat of Christ, or maybe the bema seat of Christ. Maybe you've heard about that, the judgment seat of Christ. And the one seat in there that's thrown, please understand me, is more than a, a baby in a manger, more than a baby born at Bethlehem. The one who sits on that throne is the one who speaks, and this world came into existence, right? The one who speaks and everything changed, right? The one who the Bible says was before all time, before the mountains were made, Jesus was here. The one who is the Lord and King of kings, and he's our Savior. That's the one we're talking about, right? The King of kings and Lord of lords, amen? That's the one we're talking about. If we have this day, the day of salvation, we're going to have this day. Understand, we're going to have this day. And this is a great day. This is a wonderful time. This is where we all want to be because all who are there at this day are those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. And it's a wonderful time. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The judgment at this, the purpose of the judgment seat of this is not for punishment. The purpose of this judgment seat is really the receiving and loss of rewards of what God wants to give us. Receiving and loss of rewards is the judgment seat of Christ. And you're going to want to be here. Everyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus will be here at this judgment seat. And you're going to want to be here because it's a great place to be. Let me share a few verses with you this morning so you can understand about what this judgment seat of Christ is going to be or the Bema seat. I, I have some written in your outline if you have the outline, but I'm going to add a few more so you might want to jot them down. I'm going to go through quickly so you may not be able to get to your Bibles, but listen to them as I share them, and you can look them up later. The first one is Romans 14.10. That's in your outline. And, and, and the Apostle Paul says, You, then why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? 
But we will all stand before God's judgment seat, the judgment seat of Christ. Even a better one, the one I really like, is 2 Corinthians 5.10. Write this one down. For, for Paul says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And he's talking about this seat. So what he's talking about, there is a day coming. Well, all of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior are one day going to stand before this throne. The second most important day of our lives, in my opinion. The second most important day. We're going to stand in front of Jesus. He will be there. The one we've only seen through the eyes of faith. Now we're going to see him face to face is what the Bible says. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, it says this. Dear friends, now we are children of God, but what we will be, be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. To see him as he is. When we were all created through Adam, we were created way back here at the beginning of time as we know it. God doesn't have a beginning, right? Beginning of time as we know it, as the Bible gives us, God created a man named Adam who had not sinned, right? We all agree with that. God created a man who had not sinned. But when Adam sinned, that changed all men. It changed all people. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of Adam, all through, all through this one man, Adam, were sinners. Romans 5.12 tells us that. That when Adam sinned, we all sinned. And now we have a sin nature. And we are sinners by nature. That's who we are. We're sinners. And that image of God that God had given us, that he gave us, that we would live out the moral attributes of God, the love, justice, and mercy, and dominion, and all that, all those kind of things, all that became marred and skewed at the fall. That now, because of that, we couldn't know God well. We couldn't know others well. We couldn't even know ourselves very well. And then came that day of salvation, that day, the most important day of our lives, and the day that allowed the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. So the process of restoring that image began to take place through salvation. And then the book of Colossians talks about sanctification, that the more in you and I grow spiritually, the more we grow in our, our Bible, the more we become like Jesus. And that's what God is doing, restoring that image that he originally gave us. We become more like Jesus. And then comes that day where we leave this life, and, and we, we see him. And the Bible says that we will be like him. Think about that, we will be like him. Like, not the same as, but similar to what it, what it means. Not the same as, but similar to. We will become not God. We're not going to become God. But we will become that image that we started with is what it's talking about. That image that we started with is now totally restored through the presence of Jesus in our lives. Is that what we're going to have? We will see him. We will be like him. But we're going to be judged. We're going to be judged. We're all going to stand before this judgment seat. But what is that judgment all about? What is the judgment seat of Christ all about? Let me start off with saying... That's not about sin, right? Because that was taken care of at the cross, right? It's not about condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not about punishment. That was taken care of at the cross. All that was taken care of. So it's not about your sin. You don't have to worry, oh, my sin. No, God has taken care of that. That will not be brought up. So what is this all about? Really, 2 Corinthians 5.10 tells us that we're all going to be judged for the things done while in the body this day, from this day on, whether good or bad. So what this judgment is all about is from the day that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, the day of my salvation to this time, God's going to hold me accountable. What did I do with my life for Jesus? What did I do with my life since he saved me? Whether you've been saved three days, 
three years, 30 years, or 50 years, that's what he's talking about. That day on, God is going to, we got to stand before Jesus to give an account what we've done. And he's going to, not for punishment, not for come at our sin, it's receiving our loss of rewards. Remember what I've talked? Receiving a loss of rewards. In one part, it's seemingly insignificant things he's going to look at. And we find that from Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, where it says this, And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he's my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. He's talking about. And I think there are a lot of things that are done in this life that we do for the right motives. Remember, for the right motives, they go unnoticed by everybody except Jesus. Nothing goes unnoticed by Jesus. And Jesus said one day people are going to stand in front of that throne and they're going to receive the reward. That's what he's saying. Those things that go unnoticed. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 through 15. And he gives us a lot of detail of what this throne of Jesus, the judgment seat of Christ, is going to be all about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 through 15. Let me read it to you. And listen to the words that he says here. The apostle Paul says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation. The foundation was Jesus Christ. As an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. This foundation, the day of your salvation he's talking about. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. But if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames, is what he says here. So we go through life, and we're doing these things in our life, and, and some of these things are significant. And some of these things are built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Some of them are built, built on that foundation. And they're gold. They're just like gold, is what he's saying. They're, they're good. But perhaps some of those things that we do are built on wrong motives and ill intentions and not for the glory of God. And we come to this day, and the imagery is of a fire that he gives us in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, and sorts out the work we have done, that fire there. We'll sort out this work that we've done for Jesus since we've come to know him. And some of that work will survive. And the work that survives, we will receive reward. And some of that work will be burned up in the fire is what it talks about. And there will be a sense of loss. It will be a loss of reward is what he's saying. That's what he's talking about here. So everything that we have is going to go through that fire is what, what Paul is saying. And so when it comes to that day, what is left, that's what God is going to reward us with. The insignificant things, you know, the cup of cold water in Jesus' name, let me just clarify what I think that means. I don't think it means at all that I give a cup of, cup of cold water in Jesus' name and I give it to someone and say, oh, by the way, this is done in the name of Jesus. Ding, 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 I get a reward. I don't think that's what, what that means. I think when he talks about a cup of cold water, what he's really saying is anything we do that God wants us to do. Anything that we do that Jesus wants us to do, they don't go unnoticed. It's not about a cup of cold water. It's those things that people don't recognize you're doing. They don't even see you doing. And you're doing those things for the glory of Jesus. You're doing them for Jesus. Those are the things he's talking about. And then there's a personal sacrifice that Jesus really wanted his, his disciples to recognize this. In Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44, he says this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. 
Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus says, he stops everything and says, look at this. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. She gave everything, not just a little bit. She gave it all in there, and Jesus recognizes that. He says he wants his disciples to recognize this. And I think there's going to be situations in this life where we get to the judgment seat of Christ, this seat, and there's going to be a lot of surprises, don't you think? Someone once says we're going to be surprised who's there, and we're going to be surprised who's not there, right? But I think I'm going to be standing in behind a lot of people who've done a lot of things that are off the radar of everyone, but they're not off the radar of Jesus. And that day, they're going to receive the reward that day. I think of the unnoticed service. I, I, I think of the Sermon on the Mount. And let me give you a little background. Jesus is on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he's speaking on it that one day, and his disciples are there, the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, they're there. And, and the, 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 the key verse in this whole passage, the Sermon on the Mount is in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. The key passage in that whole passage is Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, where it says this, For I tell you the truth, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine being a Pharisee or the teacher of the law and sitting in the fourth row and you hear that? And Jesus said, you're not going to heaven. And your righteousness has surpassed these guys, who everybody looked up to. See, what Jesus was doing here, he was talking about motives. Motives for service is everything, our motives. What's our heart's intention? What is the real motive? Why are we really doing this? And he gives us, he illustrates it in three different ways. He says you have to have the right motives. You have to have the right heart intentions. And God looks at your heart. He looks at the motives why you're doing it. If you're doing it for God, you will receive reward. But he illustrates it with giving of alms in, in the Sermon on the Mount. And, and really what that is, it's a way of saying doing your righteousness or acts of righteousness. It's a helping the poor, volunteering at, that, at this and doing that. It's really meeting the needs of others is what he's talking about. When we do those kind of things, we will receive reward. It doesn't go unnoticed by God. That's what he's saying. But he also talks about fasting and, and prayer, fasting and prayer. And even when fasting comes, what would really happen many of the times, that the people would kind of be dragging along that were fasting, and their clothes, maybe they didn't change their clothes, and they'd be wrinkled and maybe kind of dirty, their hair would be all messed up, and, and they would come with their face kind of saying to be walking, and people would look at it and say, what's wrong with you? Oh, it's been so tough. See, I'm in five day, I'm in the, five, the fifth day of a 30-day fast, and boy, it's been really tough. I'm just trying to get to know God better. And people would look at them and say, wow, they must really love God. I'm impressed them. I admire them. Ding, ding, ding. They just receive the reward, right? The praise of men. And many times that's what people are doing. They want the praise of men. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, he said, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. What he's really saying is take a shower and change your clothes for us today. Take your shower and change your clothes so people don't know what you're doing. He goes on in verse 18. So that it would not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What Jesus was saying is, is when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites do. And he uses the word hypocrites, which means to do a theatrical performance. Don't be like them. Don't do a theatrical performance in your prayers. Don't be like them. See, the Pharisees didn't have to fast a couple days out of the week, but they did. 
And the only reason they did that, so people would look really how spiritual they were. And they, were, they would come out and then they would pray. And there was a certain time of day that they would pray. And these religious leaders would make sure they'd go out in the public when that time came. They'd be in a busy intersection. It'd be where all the people were in the marketplace. So right at that time of prayer, they would drop down on their knees or they'd just raise up their arms and they began to pray. And people would walk by them and look and say, wow, they must really love God. Wow, look at them praying like that. They just received the reward, the praise of men, right? Or maybe in, in, in giving. The offering plate comes by and you take out your checkbook and you make sure everybody sees you taking out your checkbook. And you look to your neighbor, you say, hey, how many zeros are in 10,000? Five or six? And your neighbor goes, uh, there's five. And they think to themselves, wow, they must really love God to give all that money. You know, those kind of things. They just receive the reward when they do that. What Jesus is not saying here, he's not saying don't pray publicly. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying is make sure your public prayer matches your private prayer is what he's saying. There can't be a disconnect, otherwise you become a hypocrite. He says because you pretend to be something that you're not. What he is not saying, you can receive your reward either now or later. He's not saying that. That's not what he's saying at all. Because your reward is not based on people finding out. Your reward is based on motive on the inside. Make sure you understand that. That's a really important piece. And it's important to know that. Your motive is not based on someone finding out what you do. I mean, your reward is not based on that. Your reward is based on the motive on the inside, that you have the right motive. So if someone does something good in the church, and, and I say, I want to recognize them on Sunday morning, I say, boy, thank you for doing the BBS, or thank you for doing the potluck, or thank you for that prayer, or whatever you might have done, does that mean they lose the reward? No, not at all. Because the motive is still there, right? The motive was still there why they did it. The point is that you don't lose your reward because people find out. That's not what he's talking about. The point of the whole matter is do it for Jesus. Do it for the right reasons. That's the point. Not that people find out. I'm doing it for you, God, to glorify you. That's why I'm doing it. Not to get the praise of men. Not to get the praise of people. And he says when you do it for Jesus and the right reason, you will be rewarded is what he's saying. But sometimes the reward is now and it'll be then. But sometimes it's just then at the judgment seat of Christ. And you're right right there, right? That's when God chooses to do it. Sometimes we'll get it now. People will praise you now, and God will give it to you then. And sometimes it will just be then when we get it. By the way, that day happens because you have this day, right? This day happens because you have this day. If you don't have this day, it doesn't mean you won't stand in front of a throne it just means you're going to stand in front of a different throne, right? The great white throne judgment. And you're going to stand in front of that throne. And all those who stand in front of that throne are people who have never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. And the Bible says that one day when you stand in front of that throne, the great white throne judgment, there's a book of life going to be open. And all those who are standing there do not have their names written in the book of life. And then there's going to be another book that will be open. These books will reveal the deeds they've done while in the body, the life that they lived. To determine the degrees of punishment in a place of, apart from God is what it's going to do. And because there was never that day the day of their salvation, they never had that day. If I can encourage you and plead with you, you don't want to be there at the great white throne judgment. You want to make sure you don't have that day in your life. And the only way to avert that day, the great white throne judgment, is to have this day. Accept Jesus Christ your Savior. And then you will have this day, which is a good day. You want to have that. 
But the only way to avert it is have this day, the great white throne judgment. Have this day, and you want to have this day to stand before Jesus, this throne. This is the one you want to have. Do you have time for one more day? Please say yes. Come on. Do you have time for one more day? I want to make sure you're with me what I'm trying to do. I want to make sure you're with me. Okay, this one, the third most important day of your life is today. Today is the most important day of your life. Right now, today. We have started another new year, 2022. And there's 365 days in this year. And there's, there, every day rolls out one day at a time. Not two days at a time. One day at a time. And as they roll out, we can't say yesterday is gone. Oh, we don't, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, right? You all know that. No one here is guaranteed tomorrow. Today is all the day that we have. It's today, right now. We're guaranteed right now. We have right now. There are some, while they're recognized today, they're also there. They live in another day. They live in the past. They're constantly living in the past. And they're always asking the question, why can't we do things like we used to do in the past? Why can't we do church the way we did in the past? They're always asking those things. And sometimes they're left in past in their yesterday's victories. And they're reveling in yesterday's victories. And they like to talk about yesterday's victories, how did did things so many years ago. And they're always living in the past. And sometimes it's about living in the past and yesterday's pain. And today reminds them of yesterday's pain. And constantly in the past they're living. But there's some other people that are, who recognize, they live in a futuristic kind of make-believe world. They recognize today, but they live in this futuristic make-believe world, almost like a fantasy world. And they live, if only, if only maybe I would have married someone different, or if only my children were turned out different, or if only my children had married someone different, if only I wouldn't have sold my house, or if I would have sold my house, or if I had taken this job, or I didn't take my job. And they live in this, if only. And they live in this kind of make-believe future. And much, much of it never happens. Listen, all we have is today. That's all we have. That's all we have guaranteed right now. And the fact of the matter, Moses talks about this in Psalm 90. He says this in Psalm 90, verse 2 and 3. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, return to dust, O sons of men. And what he is saying, before God created anything, God, you were there. You have set up life, and you started life, is what he's saying. And then in Psalm 31, he uses an image that God takes man off the potter's wheel, and he dashes him to pieces. Lord, our life in your, is in your hands and everything in it. And he says this in Psalm 31, verse 14 and 15. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. And as we make plans for the future, not knowing if it's going to happen, right? Any plans that we make in the future, we're not knowing if that's going to happen. We're not knowing if we're going to be there for that, right? You understand that, right? For a lot of people, their third most important day of their life is not today, but it's someday. Someday. Someday I'm going to do this, or someday I'm going to do that, right? That's what they say. And that someday kind of keeps moving along as their life moves on, and that someday really much of that never really happens in their life. May I encourage you to do today all those things you plan on doing someday, to do those things to do those things today. I'm not talking about your bucket list. I'm not talking about those eight or ten things that you have on your bucket list. You say, boy, what I'd really like to do is jump out of an airplane, climb a mountain, or visit every Dairy Queen in the U.S. You say that, which wouldn't be a bad thing, right? Those are good things. Go and do those things. Take pictures, post them on Facebook, social media, and do all that. Those Those are good things. But I'm not talking about those things for today, the bucket list. Unless your bucket list is God's bucket list for you. Let me state it a little differently. Suppose you go to the doctor, 
And a doctor looks at you and he comes out and says, I hate to be the one to tell you, but you only have three months to live. What are you going to do with your time? That's what I'm talking about. In the light of that, God's bucket list for you, in the light of that day, in the light of the day of the throne of Jesus, the judgment seat of Christ, in the light of the day of salvation, what are you going to do with your life? you got three months to live. That's how you're to live every day. That's how God wants you to live it. You say, boy, I always wanted to be in a Bible study. I always wanted to have a quiet time someday. Do that today. Maybe you say, I always wanted to share the gospel with the neighbor. Do that today before you read about his or her name in the obituary columns. You say, someday I always wanted to forgive mom or, or dad or my brother or my sister or my son or my daughter or, or my ex-spouse. Do that today. Someday I wanted to write a letter to my son just giving him a blessing. Do that today. Someday I wanted to write a letter to my daughter and tell her how much I love her and how precious she is. Do that today. Someday I'm going to let that grudge go because it's really messed up my life. Do that today. Someday I'm going to offer that forgiveness to someone. Do that today. Let it go. Do it today. The day of your salvation is the most important day of your life. If you don't have that day in your life, you don't have much, for, much to look forward to in terms of eternal standard, do you? You don't have much to look forward to. You really don't for eternity. If you're here today and you don't have this day, the day of your salvation, please come and talk to me and say, how can I know Jesus? Or how can I make sure I have this day? Because you don't want to wait too late and find out you're at the wrong throne, right? You don't want to make sure you do that. You want to make sure you wind up at the right throne. Hebrews 9.27 says this, just as man is destined to die once and after that face judgment. In the light of this day, the, the throne of Jesus, the judgment seat of Christ, my question to you, and I really want you to think about it, are you ready? And I don't want to get doom and gloom on anyone, but are you ready? Are you ready to meet your maker? Are you ready for the judgment seat of Christ? Or you say, boy, I still got some business to do here. Sins that need to be confessed. Apologies that need to be made. Love that needs to be expressed. You know, grudges that need to be released. Forgiveness that needs to be offered to people. I still, still need to do that. When you get here at the judgment seat of Christ, it's too late. It's too late to do those. Do it today. Don't put it off. Do it today. Let it go. Today is the third most important day of your life. And if you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, live today in preparation of the day they're going to stand here, okay? Live today as a preparation that one day I'm going to have to stand. It's not a might. It's not a maybe. If you have that day, you will stand here before Jesus. Moms and dads and grandparents, your job and your opportunity in this life is to take those grandchildren that you have and make sure now they have this day. Now, you can't save them, but you can do everything that you can to make sure that they know Jesus, to tell them the gospel, and to live out that life in front of them, to give them every opportunity to have this day. And if they have this day, then moms and dads and grandparents, your job is to prepare them for this day. Every day is to prepare them for this day. For every one of us in 2022, let's live today in light of having this day in preparation of this day. Can you follow me? You follow me? Every day we live in 2022 in preparation for this day because all of us, all of us are going to stand before this throne and give an account of our lives from this day where we accepted Jesus until here. What did they do with that life that I gave Jesus? And Jesus is going to give us rewards. And we want to receive the rewards, right? 
all of us. Let's make it such a habit in 2022 that we live this life today in light of that day that it becomes such a habit that I continue it in 23, 24, and the rest of the days of my life here on this earth. That I live in every day in the light and preparing for this day, the judgment seat of Christ. Remember, the judgment seat of Christ is a good thing. You're going to want, you want to be there. That's for all those that have this day who accepted Jesus Christ your Savior, right? But we all, I don't know about you, but if God, Jesus has a reward for me, I want to have it, don't you? I want it. I want it. I want to serve him faithfully. I want to live for him. And I don't want to get up there and Jesus say, well, I put all your works since that day through the fire and there's nothing. There's a loss of all your rewards. I don't want to hear that. I want to see Jesus more. You're going to receive them all. Here they are. Because you did it all for the glory of Jesus. Not for my glory. We never do works for our glory so people will pat us on the back. Boy, you did a good job. I, I Hopefully that's not why you do things. That you do it for his glory. That you will receive praise from him, Jesus. That's why we do it. We want to hear praise from Jesus. Not about people. Don't worry about what people say. He's the one that matters, right? He's the one we have to give an account to. Amen? Amen? Okay, let's pray. Lord, we come and we praise you. We praise you for your goodness. We praise you, Lord, for your love. We praise you, Lord, yet for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to come in this world to die on the cross for our sins. And whoever believes in him have eternal life. I pray for everyone's soul in this room right now and everyone might hear it online. That, Lord, they know Jesus Christ as their Savior and they have the day of their salvation. If they don't, Lord, I pray they would come and talk to me and, and we can make sure they have this day, the most important day of their life, that they accept Jesus Christ. But I pray every one of us, every one of us here that know Jesus, that, Lord, we would take this seriously. For the Bible talks too much about it, that one day we will have to give an account of the life that we live here on this earth since the day of our salvation. What have we did with the life that Jesus gave us? What have we given with our resources, our time, our talent? What have we done with those things for Jesus? Lord, I pray for many rewards to come to everyone that is here. That, Lord, they've lived faithful, for, faithful to you. Help us, Lord, to live in light of that day. Help us not be fearful of that day. Help us not live that the punishment. There will be no punishment. There will be no condemnation. There will be no fear just to receiving their loss of rewards. But, Lord, I pray for our, these people. There were many rewards be handed out to them for their faithful service, Lord. Bless us. Help us to live the life you called us. Help us not to be caught so much up in the world and what the world is doing that we lose sight of that day, the day we have to stand before the throne of Jesus. Hopefully, Lord, that we live our lives, Lord, to glorify you, that we're looking for the praise of Jesus, not the praise of men, that we're looking to bring you glory in everything that we do, to put you first and foremost, that, Lord, our point is we're here to do this for Jesus and no one else, for Jesus. And I pray that for us. Lord, you're so good to us, that you remind us of these things through your word of God. You just don't leave us, and, and we don't know these things. But you've been faithful to hand down the word of God so we could read about these things, so we know what the future holds for us, so we could be ready. And Lord, knowing that our time, any of us, we don't know what tomorrow may bring. And Lord, when we come into your presence and we see you for the first time face to face, Lord, Lord, may we've lived the life that you've called us to live, to glorify you in everything that we do. Lord, pray today, no matter how we've lived, today we make a difference. Today is the most important day of our life right now is what we're going to do today for you. Not what we've done in the past. Those were all good things, 
or maybe how much we messed in the past, but today we can make a difference. Today we can change whatever we haven't done or whatever we have done. Today I'm going to make that decision to say, Jesus, I'm going to serve you. Today I'm going to live for you, Jesus. Today is going to be that day. Today is going to change my life. Today. I'm, today I'm going to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. Today I'm going to take that step and get involved and serve you. Do those things of meeting the needs of others. Help us, Lord, to be busy about your work, to be on mission, to be on purpose for you, for your glory. I pray that for each person here, Lord, we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.